Father, in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, we all pray here today, Lord, that you would speak to us through your word and through our message, oh God, that it was just tailor-made just for us. I pray, Holy Spirit, that every individual here, oh God, will pay attention to what's coming forth today from your word, that they would disallow distractions and, and lies or whatever they are facing. Let it all be put aside. Let it all be outside that door and that they put their full attention and their heart upon you, Holy Spirit. Touch your people here, God. But we know that this church has a mighty, mighty mission and a call to reach not only the city, oh God, but beyond. And I pray that those that are here are not here by accident. They're not here by accident. That they're here to be a part of this call and the mission set forth before us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, blessings upon everyone that is here. And may they always look to you, the Arthur and the perfecter of our faith. In Jesus' name, all of God's people say, Amen. Say it louder. Amen. Oh God, the devil couldn't even run out of the church with that. Come on, say amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. You may go ahead and be seated. One of the things I, I want to say before I, I begin uh, uh, preaching the Word of God is I want to acknowledge, and if, if they ever see me on this video, I hate videos of me, but it's okay. It's not all about me, right? But if they ever see me, I want to wish my dad a happy birthday. He's 95 today. Yeah. 95. He's a World War II veteran, been shot at, missed uh, grenades. He's seen it all. And he always wonders, why did God spare his life? He was right there in the midst of, of the war. And he did get wounded. He does have a purple heart. And, uh, but he always says, why did God spare my life? And I'll say, gosh, Dad, if he didn't, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> he had 12 of us kids, and uh, he wanted more. He did. He wanted more, but Mom's like, oh, no, 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 no. But uh, I believe the Lord has blessed his life and, and kept him living this long. And for a reason, there's always a, a purpose that he has. And maybe it's for us kids. I don't know. Only God knows. But he's a, I pray blessings upon you, Dad. I love you. And I wish I was there because my sisters were able to take him out for dinner. And he and on the video, I, I should post it on my Facebook, but you'll see he, you know, he looks healthy. He is healthy. He's strong, and he enjoyed being sang to those uh, birthday. What is that called? The birth? No, but it's a song in Spanish. Margarita? Oh, Margarita. Or something like that. So anyway, he was being thanked to, and I was just so blessed to see my dad being able to go out. And, and all everybody, just look over here. 
look, see that little girl with the orange blouse? It's her birthday today. Happy birthday, Jasmine. I think she's 19 now or 18? 18 years old. Oh, Lord, have mercy, Pastor Sam. Ooh. Well, don't worry, we're praying for you. All right, Pastor Sam. But uh, anyway, and also, of course, like I made mention, it was Leo and Amy's anniversary. Amen. To, to the glory and honor of God. Amen. And, if, you know, God did, is, is doing a wonderful work in their life. And um, I know uh, Leo wanted to get on the mic and say something, right? But no, he ran out. It's okay. <laughs> no. Anyway, uh, let's go ahead and open up the Word of God. Very familiar scripture, and I'm sure many of you have read it before. But some, how many know sometimes we need to be reminded? Amen. Yes. So I need to be reminded sometimes. We forget. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27. And it reads like this, But I... Everybody say, I, I discipline my body. I discipline my body. Now, how many uh, work out? I know my husband does. You work out, right? It's hard. It's not easy. And you have to be very disciplined to keep it going on and on and on. Not just work out for one week. Then the following week, you're too tired, and, and then you go back in. But you have to be very disciplined. So, but I discipline my body, and what do I make it be? A slave. I discipline my body and make it my slave. So that after I have preached to others, how many are preachers here? I believe everybody is because you have to to talk about the word of God to somebody. Amen. Right? Amen. So I'm not it's not just the preachers behind this pulpit. Amen. It's every one of us here. After I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Or be disqualified. How many don't want to be disqualified? Amen. Right? Amen. So when I read that scripture I was thinking about revival coming up. How many are planning to come to revival, our three-day revival? It's going to be powerful, awesome. It's going to be Mondo Gonzalez Sr. and Jr. together. First time in, in, in VO that both of them have preached in a church. So I think we're very fortunate that we're, we're setting a trend for them, amen? But I was thinking about the revival, and, and I was just like, okay, God, revival. What do you want to do in Victory Outreach Colorado Springs? What are you going to do to the people? What are you going to do in our ministry? And when I was asking him these questions, the Word of God came here. He's talking about 1 Corinthians, about how we're supposed to discipline our body. And we're making it our slave. But how many of you out there, including myself, have found that we ended up, it, the flesh was ended up being, we were slave to the flesh, so to speak. I was trying to get all confused here. 
But we find ourselves that way. Or for some, unfortunately, found themselves a slave to sin again. That's a sad, sad picture of the church today. That's a sadness in my heart, and it grieves me that God's people would end up going back to being a slave to sin or being a slave to their flesh. Whatever the flesh says, you jump and do it. When it says, I want a bowl of Rocky Road ice cream, what do you do? Can somebody bring me Rocky Road? I mean, you're on this diet. You're trying to discipline yourself, right? But whatever the flesh wants, you do it. So who are you a slave to? Think about that. I really believe that Victory Outreach, not only college me, but international, we are a frontline ministry. We are in the forefront of the battles that are taking place. And so when God says, I'm going to reach the drug addict, I'm going to reach the gang member, amen? We're supposed to be hardcore. See, I was neither of them, right? But I know that I could be hardcore, but not in sin, but in the Lord. So when God called you to Victory Outreach, he knows that you can go in the battlefield. He knows that you can make it. But, you know, Pastor Sam, one thing I don't understand, God could call the the gang member, they get saved, they come to church, and they they don't want to fight the enemy. I have never seen a gang member back down from the enemy. What happened? You were all tough out there? You wouldn't even let no one look at you? What you looking at? And all of a sudden, you can't even stick it out here. I don't know, there's something wrong with this picture here. Something needs to take place in our church and in us. Amen? The Christian life, I walk with God, is described in God's word using different uh, metaphors or, or different examples, right? First of all, in 1 Corinthians 9.24, you still have your Bible opened. It says, do you not know that those who run a race all run? Do I need to say it again in case somebody's not listening? Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? Not just me, not just pastor, not just these fine-looking young men up here or Amy, or the homes, because I know they'll run, right? Home? You guys will run. But it's for all of us to run this race. Right? So God says we are running the race. Therefore, we are runners, not dope runners. Some of you used to be dope runners, right? Larry, don't raise your hand. You don't want to tell your story, amen? (laughs) He said it's okay. (laughs) Oh, he's set free, amen? 
But I'm not talking about dope runners. I'm talking about runners to win the prize that God has set before us. But unfortunately, some of us, when we say we're running the race, we take our own time. We take our own time. We, right? We just, I don't want to run. I'm just going to take my time, look and see who's here in the church, who can I gossip about, whose business I want to know. You know, that, that's the kind of running some of us do. We want to know people's business. And, or, you know, I went back to the gym, and I was those ones that I started a week, and I was so sore I couldn't go the next week. <laughs> I was so tired. And thank God, Pastor was so, he's so cute. And he, he says, you're not going? I said, oh, I'm so sore. And I always put that drama on my face. Oh, I'm so sore, and I can't. He said, okay. And he'll keep, that man will keep going. He is so disciplined, he'll just keep going and going and going. And, and uh, I, you know, when I was reading this, I was thinking about being on the treadmill. See, I started off on the treadmill. And, and the reason I like the treadmill, those of you exercise, because you could uh, manually, you could, you could go fast, you could go slow, right? So I always started off at 2.5, and that's slow, okay? And it's like, I'm just walking, right? And so then, uh, but I tried going fast, like 4.5, right? That's not really fast, but for me it was fast. At my age, it was fast. So I'll go, I'll probably last maybe 20 seconds. I went, whew, I gotta go back to 2.5. And so anyway, um, what I did, what I was doing is that not realizing it, I wasn't pushing myself. I didn't like that feeling of sweating. I didn't like the feeling of work, my legs getting sore the next day. I just didn't like when I'm out of breath, <laughs> you know, like that. And uh, like, oh man, I couldn't t- stand it. So anyway, I would walk 1.5 miles at the pace of 2.5. And that's three times out of the week. Right? So, because I didn't want that stress on me. I didn't want to sweat. And then one time, I was on the treadmill. I went to the gym with him. And he's working out with those uh, weights and big weights, like big ones, like big round ones like that. And he's... I said, oh, Lord, have mercy. That man better watch out. Right? I, you know, I get worried for him, but he's, he's fine. Anyway, I... I was trying to, he's, I noticed he turned and looked at me, and I was like, oh, he's looking at me. I was like, oh. I was like putting on my face like I'm working out hard. <laughs> I really, this is seriously true. And I'm like, oh, gosh, Lord, he's looking at me. I better look like I'm busy, right? So then all of a sudden I see him walking towards me, and I, you know, come on, ladies, we're all trying to always look cute for our, our man, right? And I was all trying to look cute. Like, oh man, like just moving real nice and smooth and going fast. And he walks up to me and he's looking at how fast I was going, how many uh, miles I went. I didn't even hit a mile yet, <laughs> right? He looks at me and I'm thinking, like, oh, God. oh man, I'm so like. And he looks and he says, 
you need to push yourself more and walked away. How rude was that? That was so rude. I was like, dang, I'm over here looking all working out and he rudely pushes out more, right? And I was like, geez, I mean, I just like, he bust my bubble. I, I couldn't look cute after that. <laughs> so I need to push myself. How many need someone to push you in your walk with God? Right? How many had pastor push you? Wow, look at all those hands going up there. Because <laughs> hey, I know I had someone to push me. You know, my husband, when we got married and started going to church, he pushed me to go back to school. If he hadn't pushed me, I wouldn't have a master's degree today. He pushed me in, in all a lot of things that I need to be pushed. And not only him, but so did my pastor's wife. Oh, man. Have you met Sister Josie? She pushed me. But she pushed me to learn how to pray. She had us at 5 in the morning every day going to the church to pray. Do you think I wanted to get up and pray at 5 in the morning? I was like, oh, Lord. You know, I started dreading it. When I look back there, she was teaching us to discipline us to learn how to pray and not let the flesh, right, control us. So I remember she helped me. But not only that, she helped me to, to speak, to teach, to preach. Because, you know, if she hadn't done that, I wouldn't be back here. I'll be sitting right behind Pastor Sam. Oh, let them do it. They, okay, no, it's your turn. Right? But I thank God that somebody pushed me. But sometimes when your pastor or your leader wants to push you, some of you get mad, right, Pastor Sam? They get upset. Like, no, I don't want to. No, I, I don't want to change. No, why should I do this or why should I do that? Why should I forgive that person or why should I love this one? I mean, there's on and on and on that your pastor pushes us. And he still today will push me. But I don't fight him. I welcome it. Because I want to grow. How many of you want to grow? Because if you don't allow someone to push you, you'll just be same old, same old, and the same old. Right? And that's how it is in Christianity. So for me, if you, I don't have nobody to push me. Like I said, I would be nobody. But for me, this is why I choose my disciples and I push them. I push them. And sometimes I was telling somebody, man, I feel so bad. <laughs> you know, I do. I, I, I get soft hearted. And when I have to push it and, and correct and no, you got to do this and no, you got to do that. But this I know. And even with pastor, when, and this is parents, right? When, you, when the mom disciplines her child, the dad don't like it. But when the dad disciplines a child, the mom don't like it. Well, that's the same with us, pastor and I. When I'm having to 
teach and train or disciple and, and discipline my disciples, oh no, leave her alone, you know. I'm like, you don't treat me like that, <laughs> right? And I'm just like, okay. And then when he's uh, pushing and discipling and working and correcting his guys, Man, I go, oh, God, you know what, really? I, I'm trying to defend them. And he looks at me and says, I'm making men of God. He's making men. Okay? So, you know, sometimes we, we want to get soft-hearted, but you know what? This is not a time for us to be soft-hearted. This is a time in today that we got to be hardcore for God, that we got to say, you know what? I'm going to do this and not cry and, and, and whimper when your flesh says, no, I don't want to do this or I don't want to do that. Because really, bottom line, it's our flesh. Think about it. It's really our flesh that keeps us from doing what we're supposed to do. And, uh, oh, back to my treadmill. I see my notes here. So now, due to pastor pushing me, right, I can do 1.7 miles in 30 minutes. Before, it was a whole hour and a half. <laughs> That's funny, huh? But in 30 minutes, I could do 1.7 miles. And then I can even run for a whole minute, 4.5, right? But of course I do go back down. But my goal is in 30 minutes, I'm going to do three miles. Three miles. And I know I can do it. Age has nothing to do with this. It doesn't matter how old you are, you can run the race. So another uh, exercise that we must do in our Christian walk, besides running the race, is boxing. Who, who knows how to box? Sam, you don't know how to box, you do? Oh, wow. I've never seen Sam. No, but who knows how to box? You know how to box? Just them two? You know how to box? Okay, Robert. Tony knows how to box. Who else knows how to box? Mike. Nancy, you know how to box? Cindy. You can't box, Larry. That doesn't count. Who knows how to box? Even this ladies, right? You know how to box, okay? So as the Bible says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 9.26, it reads like this, I box in such a way as not beating the air. As not beating the air. We are supposed to know how to box, right? I'm not talking about box each other. I'm not talking about street fighting, boxing, whatever. No, that's not us anymore. We used to be like that, but not no more, okay? And I remember as a young girl, my dad would take my five brothers in the, in the backyard and teach them to box with boxing gloves. And I was the young girl and I, I said, well, I want to learn how to box. So my brother Albert would put the boxing gloves on for me and, and teach me how to box. He said, you don't fight like a girl. Well, that's kind of not nice, but he said, no, you're not going to fight like a girl. There's no girl fighters in here, right? Anyway, I learned how to box. 
And one of the things that he told me, never show fear in your eyes. Don't show that you're afraid, right guys that know how to box? And you always keep your hands, your eyes on the hands of your opponent. So I'm just like, what, 11 years old? And he would, this is my brother, oh God, I don't know, I think that it was so crazy back then, but he would make a little boxing ring. And he would get his friends, boys, and he would put me to box against his friends. And while I'm boxing his friends, right, he's coaching me. Do the uppercut now. And I said, I'm, I'm like this, and I go, boom, right there. And he goes, yeah, do, and do the side. And I go, boom. Like, of course, I got hit, too. But I was able to take the punches, and we were little. But I was learning how to box. And uh, this is a true story that happened to me and my sister. I think we were like 15, or I was 15, and she was like, 14 or something like that. We were close in age. My mom didn't waste time. She just had her babies. And uh, we were walking to school on College Avenue, catching the bus to go to our, our school called Casa de la Raza. I don't know if anybody heard of that, but that was our school. Amen. Don't laugh, Sam. It was a good school. I really enjoyed my school. Anyway, we were walking and I was crossing the street, and then lo and behold, from the same sidewalk going a little, but a block down is three girls. And these were big girls walking towards us. And I'm like, oh, God, we better cross the street, <laughs> you know? And uh, I said, maybe we should cross the street. I told my sister, and she goes, yeah, let's cross. Because my sister Tina is not a fighter. I had to fight for her. So anyway, she goes, yeah, let's cross the street. And I was like, man, if I cross that street, my brother Albert, my coach, he would go, oh, I would never hear the end of it, right? I said, no, nope, I'm going to have to keep going. I told her this, don't show that you're afraid. If you do that, we're going to get beaten up, right? So here we go, and these girls came, and they were getting closer and closer, and I, and I put my mean face on. How many have a mean face like a mad dog? Yeah. I have one. And my, my baby, Carissa, when I'm mad at her, oh, she runs like, Grandpa, Grandma has her mean face on, and she scares me. But we, I had to put this mean face on. This is not really me. This is not really me. And so I got my mean face, and I'm trying to walk all bad, and I don't know how to walk bad. I was just looking goofy, right? So the, one of the girls came right in front of me, and she had the biggest eyeballs that I've ever seen. I mean, these eyes, like, were big, and she scared me. I was so scared. But she, uh, we were face to face, like this close, and I'm like, I said, okay, I better get my stance ready. I, bat I went like this, I was ready. And I just looked at her like that. And I didn't flinch or do anything. I just looked at her. And she goes, move. And I go, no, because I'm not much with words. By the time I think of something to say, it's already passed. <laughs> so I said, no, I'm not going to move. And so she stood there. And all her, the other two girls, I don't even know what happened to my sister, Tina. For all I know, they were pulling her hair. Or I don't know what was going on with her. But all I know is that they were egging her on, and I was saying, oh, God, oh, Lord. I was just looking at her, and then she said, <coughs> and she walked away, and they all started laughing and making fun of her. Ooh, 
she got you? And I said, come on, Tina, let's go, before they change their mind. <laughs> so we ran to the bus stop. But sometimes, I said this to say, I told you that story to say this. That's how we need to be in the Lord. You need to learn to face the enemy without fear. You need to look right at him for what he is. He's a liar. He's a thief. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy your calling in your life. And that's how we need to be. You stand up towards the enemy. And I, all I know is that in this church, I believe God called men and women and youth who are unafraid. Who are unafraid. And But sometimes we, we neglect the very things that we need to do. We need to run the race and we need to learn how to box the enemy. Not box each other. And that's what the enemy likes. He likes to see Christians fight each other. And really, it's sad to say that Christians fight with each other more than the enemy would try to attack us. He don't have to do anything. As long as he got you guys all mad at each other and, and, and don't want nothing to do with each other, then he don't need to do uh, his work. Bring his tactics, right? So how many know that in this church we love each other? Amen. Okay, just Sam loves you, all right. A pro boxers, if you study a pro boxer, and I was reading on this, and this is what we need to be as pro boxers. Pro boxers possess great balance, don't they? And they're very well grounded. So even if they get hit, they won't fall, right? They, they, they know how to ditch and dog, and, and unfortunately for some of us, now, where's your prayer life? Do you have the word of God inside of you to box the enemy? Are you able to have that spirit of self-control so the enemy can't get you mad and have you blow it? See, that's the balance that we need. We need to pray, read God's word, and to really, the Bible says we need to fellowship with one another. We need to be there to support and, and build each other up, not tear each other down. This is what the church is to be. We need to be a boxer that is well-balanced and well-grounded. Another thing is that a, a boxer, pro boxers, is that they don't move around too much and fidget like some boxers. Oh, I can't stand that one that dances, box dancing. Who is that? The one that's coming up, Mayweather? Yeah, don't he tippy toes around the, the boxing ring? He just tippy toes. Of course, how is he going to get, you know, get in there and fight? That's not how we're going to fight. We're not going to fight uh, being fidgety and uh, tippy toeing and, and all that around the ring. No. We gotta be men and women and youth. I, be, I say youth, because nowadays the enemy's after the youth. We gotta know how to st take your stand. Yes. Be precise, be, look at the enemy, look at your opponent, and see where he's trying to hit you at. But sometimes, instead of just going after your opponent, we do that peekaboo. What is that peekaboo boxing, right? Peekaboo is like, you're like this. Oh, he's going to come this way. He's going to come. And all you're doing is on the defense. 
and you're letting the enemy hit you here and there and, and, and doing uppercuts on you. That's a peekaboo boxing. We're not peekaboo boxers here, amen? We're not. Instead, you got to be, look, look at your enemy fearlessly. Like, I love the story of King David. He was fearless against the enemy. That's how we need to be as boxers, as pro boxers, not amateurs. We're our pro boxers. Don't play patty cake with the enemy. Okay, I'm going to hit you like, oh, I hit you like real soft. Like, no, you, you know, if you're going to hit like this, it ain't going to hurt the enemy. I was taught that you got to hit right here, right? But you got to use the shoulder, go wham, hit that enemy who's come lying to you in your, your head, yep. telling you things you shouldn't hear, or, or hurting your heart, yep. or, or messing with your children, messing with your marriage. No, you got to be ready as a pro boxer. Yes. And that's who we are, right? Yes. Okay. Not at each other. Let me get down here. I'm done with the pro boxers. <laughs> okay. How many are pro boxers here this morning? And uh, sometimes, and as we boxing, some of us we we tend to box the calling God has on your life. You tend to say. I don't want to do this. I'd rather go over. You know, at that church, they don't require that much for me. They don't want to, me to be accountable to them. You know what I tell uh, our, what we tell our leaders? Accountability means that someone cares for you. Your life matters. Right? And imagine if you just came here and, and these leaders, we, you know, Pastor and I is like, whatever you're going to do, you're going to do. Hello, hi, bye. No. We care what God is doing in your life. We care about what's happening in your life. Because sometimes the enemy's slick. Man, he'll do that little sucker punch. He'll do a sucker punch on you, and next thing you know, you're out. Next thing you know, you're knocked out. Next thing you know, you're knocked out of the church. And there's many that have been knocked out of the church because the enemy sucker punched them. And that's not us here, right? All right. Another thing that, besides running the race, being a boxer, is the Lord also wants us to stand firm. In Ephesians 6.11, go ahead and turn there. And it says, uh, through 11 and 14, it reads a lot of times, three times it says to stand firm. Stand firm. Let me say it one more time, because since it was three times, I'll say it again. Stand firm. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Right? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, even though sometimes we think it is, or sometimes we want to forget it is, and we want to fight each other. But it's against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. 
That's who we are fighting against. And it says again, it says, therefore, take up the full armor. Tell your neighbor, take up the full armor. They're not convinced. Take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil days. The evil days are now, people. The evil days are today. You need to resist the evil days. And having done everything, stand firm. Stand firm. Don't waver in your faith. Don't waver in your calling. Stop looking at this person and that person. Stand firm. Who's standing firm today? All right. And it goes on again. Stand firm. Stand firm. See, we need to understand that those rulers and those principalities and those authorities in high places are real. Sometimes I think Christians live in a la-la land. They forget what God says about living in these times that are evil. They forget that the devil, when he was thrown out from heaven, many fallen angels went with him, which are called demons. Where are they? Are they at Disneyland? No, they're all around us. And their mission, they have a mission, is to destroy God's church, to destroy God's people. That's their mission. And I'll tell you this, the devil and his demons are more in unity than the church of God today. We need to be in unity. We need to be in unity. And when we become in unity, then we become a threat to the devil. Have you been getting hit lately? Because you're a threat to the devil. Are you going through trials? You're a threat to the devil. And we have to be strong. We have to stand firm. We, as God's children, need to wear that armor of God. When I was reading about the armor, I was thinking about the armor, and I was saying, man, how important it is for us to wear that armor every day. Every day we put that armor on. We're not here coming to church wearing a shiny armor. No, your armor should be be bent, it should be dirty, it should be like full of blood from the enemy, it should be coming or in battlefield. That's the armor we need to be wearing. And if you're wearing a shiny armor to look good in the church, uh, can I use it so I can make sure I get this lint out of my eyes so I can look in there? That's how shiny you are? Or should we wear sunglasses, Pastor Sam, because that brother is real shiny? No, that's not the armor we should be wearing. We should be looking like we are in the battle or out of a battle. Are we not victory outreach? Hallelujah. See, we're going to face many battles of many kinds. We always will. Why? Because God is He's seasoning you. God is preparing you. God is going to do something inside of you. But as soon as 
pastor or myself, we start pushing you to, to excel in your walk with God. Or then you start attacking us. If not that, you attack somebody in the church. Or if not them, you, you, only, you only have the enemy to look at. But really, it's yourself you need to look at. Look at yourself. How worn is your armor? How worn is your armor? These men right here, their armor is worn, torn, sometimes stinky. No, just kidding. <laughs> They're worn and torn. Why? Because they've been in battles. They've been in the battlefield. But we need more soldiers. We need more soldiers. How many want to join us in this fight? Right, just you, sister? Well, just you and Karen? Man, what's going on with the men's home? I don't know, you got Martin, your guys. I mean, how many want to be in the army of God, being in the battlefield? Don't be scared. Yeah, the enemy's going to come and hit you. He's going to test you. He's going to mess with you. He's going to tempt you and do this and that. But as long as you're wearing the full armor of God, he can't do nothing to you. As long as you're standing firm, standing firm in the home where you belong, standing firm in your positions where God has placed you, that's where we all need to be. And I believe Today, God is calling many more of you. Many more of you need to come and, and, and stand firm and continue to run that race to be a boxer. Amen? But one of the things that I believe for our church, besides running the race, besides being a pro boxer and wearing the full armor, and you're standing all firm, one of the things we need is revival. Can I say that again? Revival. We need revival in the church today. And you know what that word revival means? It means an improvement. Let me say it again. An improvement in the condition or strength of something. An improvement in the condition or strength of something. We need revival. We need improvement. I need improvements. We need improvements in the condition of our spiritual life for some of us. We need improvement in the condition of our character. We need improvements in our strength and dependency upon God. Some of us are too used to depending on you. It's not all about you. It's all about him. And if you keep going in that little circle, it's all about you. You're never going to get nowhere. You're never going to be a, a, that pro boxer. You're never going to be a runner. You're never going to be able to stand firm because it's all about you. You're missing it. You're missing it. We need improvements in everything in our life as a Christian. As a Christian, I need improvements. I'm not perfect. If you want to know if, I'm, if I am or not, ask my husband. He would know. 
vice versa. We are not perfect, but this I know. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I need Jesus more than ever before. Because in these evil days, it's all about you. You're God. You're, what about your calling? What about, not your calling, but your career? What about what you want in life? It's not about us. Right. It's okay if you have the career. It's okay if you have all those nice things in life. God wants to bless us. But what about the kingdom of God? Yes. We need revival. Yeah. We need improvements. We need him. I wanted to end with this as Anthony makes his way up. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 27. I really believe that Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, revival, God's going to do something in our church. God's going to do something in you. And even now, I believe some of you, you're sensing that. You're sensing something's going to happen. Not only in the us, in the church, but in you. And you could do one or, or two things here. One, you'll come because you want to see what God's going to do in your life. Or two, you're going to say, ah, I'm not ready yet. Oh, I have something else to do Friday. I got to go visit family all of a sudden we're having a barbecue right something will always try to take the place of God but you got to be that runner the boxer you got to be that person that stand firm and say no I got to be where God's going to be I got to be because where improvement's going to take place in me because I know I need that improvement if you seriously, seriously want to do what God has called you to do, then I challenge you, men, women, and youth, you come up here and you talk to God about it. You tell him, Lord, I need revival. I need an improvement in me. I'm tired of boxing aimlessly and just pity-patting the enemy. I'm tired of fighting my brother and sister, husband or wife. I'm tired of just looking at my circumstances and situations my way. I'm tired of me. I'm tired of me blowing it. I'm tired of me allowing need to be a, a slave to my flesh. If that's you, just come up to the altar. Be serious for God today.